Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning to, mo- well, I shouldn't say most of you, those uh, that it, it is morning <coughs> in the United States and uh, worldwide. Uh, my name is Kennard. I am your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is September 17th, 2011 on the Roman calendar, and some interesting developments, uh, particularly with the Palestinians. Uh, they're going to try to declare a state through the Security Council. Uh, the United States, who is a member of the Security Council, uh, will veto that, so it should not go through, and they're going to try to do it through the General Assembly, so it'll give them somewhat a limited status as an entity in the United Nations. But in either case, as I read, is not going to give them an official state uh, with official partitions and so forth, which they're seeking, unless something changes. So anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, I need to start talking more about what's going on <clears throat> in the Middle East, and I think I'm going to start doing that now, briefly, if there's any uh, significant uh, development. Uh, this definitely is. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu will uh, present his uh, his speech or will give a speech next Friday uh, on the 23rd, and I think uh, um, the Palestinian leader, uh, Hamas, will uh, give his speech as well, I think, uh, on Friday or maybe sooner. I think it's going to be Friday, though, next Friday. So keep an eye on the, the Middle East. Uh, Zechariah, let's turn there, Zechariah chapter 12. tells us that's where the hot spot is at. That's where everything's going to begin and end as far as uh, the Great Tribulation. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading this in the English Standard Version of the Bible. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord, who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him, which proves that we do have a spirit within us. Behold, I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. This is not going to happen when they, uh, if they get a an independent state. Uh, this is talking about something that will um, influence mightily the return of the Messiah. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah, Judah meaning the Jews, on that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all people. So it's going to happen on a particular day, this event. 
All who lift it will surely hurt themselves, and all the nations of the earth will gather against it. So all this is leading to this great event, which has something to do with Armageddon, where all the nations of the world, including the, the beast power nations, will gather against Jerusalem to try to destroy it. And then verse 4, on that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every, remember, on that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and his rider with madness. And based on Daniel chapter 7, where it says that the beast will break the earth into many pieces, um, I only know one weapon that we have. Or there's also bombs that can do that as well. But we do, uh, the point I'm trying to say is that we have the capability of doing what Daniel stated that the uh, the uh, well let's turn there hold your place in uh, Zechariah chapter 12 let's turn to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 23 thus he said as for the fourth beast there shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth so the fourth beast is a kingdom so when, when the Bible talks about a beast prophetically uh, in most cases it's talking about a kingdom Anyway, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms and it shall devour the whole earth. Trample it down and break it into pieces. So breaking uh, something into pieces is going to require very powerful armament, uh, armaments and we have that. We have nuclear bombs, hydrogen bombs. Uh, we can blow this earth ten, probably 10 to 15 times over. So uh, when it says here that it shall devour the whole earth, this beast, this fourth kingdom, which is Genesis, is in the, in the United Nations right now, and in NATO. Uh, it shall devour the whole earth and trample down and break it into pieces. And then verse 24, as for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise. So these ten kings will be attached to this fourth kingdom, this beast that will, uh, this Genesis is, its foundation is the United Nations and NATO. Um, I don't know what it's going to be called once this uh, four uh, this four power block will emerge and dominate. But this fourth beast is really an amalgamation of all nations and, and their strengths and powers. So in verse 24, as for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings, defeat three kings. Verse 25, he shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints, and that literally means what it says, wear out the saints uh, of the Most High, and shall think to change times and laws. And this is already somewhat prophetically has happened with uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, back uh, Constantine, uh, they started changing laws uh, as early. Actually, they did it earlier than that. But I'm talking about geopolitically. Uh, it happened back then in the uh, early uh, fourth century uh, when they started to change times and laws. Uh, the one law that they really changed it was the Sabbath law: Christians should not Judaize. So that's one law that they changed, and that's why a lot of Christians today are mixed up on Sunday versus uh, keeping the Sabbath. Nowhere in the Bible does it state, and even Cardinal Gibbons admits this, uh, just Google Gar uh, Cardinal Gibbons, G-I-B-B-O-N-S, Bishop, Cardinal, uh, actually he's not a bishop, he's Cardinal Gibbons, and he states that uh, you can go from Genesis to Revelation, there's nowhere in the Bible that uh, the Bible 
agrees that the, the Sabbath is done away with and Sunday has replaced it. So, And he states the reason why we do it is because we feel we have the authority to change it. So, But that's what, what the Catholic Church feels, and that's what the Pope feels, but that's not what the, the Bible states. But anyway, that's another Bible study in itself. Anyway, this beast power, this power block, the, the leader and also the the uh, the geopolitical system, uh, shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years, 1,260 days, 42 months. Verse uh, 26, but the court shall sit in judgment. What court? The court in heaven. And his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. So the saints will possess the kingdom, will rule over the earth. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey them. So saints will have rulership over the entire earth. And verse 28 says, here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my mind. So anyway, I was just reading that to, to show you that where all this is headed, this, this Jerusalem stuff, uh, Palestinians versus uh, Israel and so forth, is all going to lead to what is called here in Zechariah 12, verse 2, the siege of Jerusalem. And notice it says on that day, it's not talking about a period of time, but on that particular day these things are going to happen. That day is the great day of God Almighty that's uh, proclaimed in Revelation chapter 16 where all the demons will gather all the, the armies of the world to gather. Verse 4, on that day declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic. And I was leading to that. It's going to be horses because the world is going to have suffered by that time through a nuclear war. And they're, they're, we're kind of, in all likelihood, be bombed back into the horse and buggy days. That's what it indicates. It says, I will strike every horse with panic and his rider with madness. For the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep my eyes open when I strike every house horse of the peoples with blindness. It says, Then the clans of Judah should say to themselves, The inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of hosts, their God. Then verse 6, on that day I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing plot in the midst of wood, like a flaming torch among sheaves, and they shall devour to the right and to the left all the surrounding peoples, while Jerusalem shall again be inhabited in this place in Jerusalem. And then verse 7, he says, And the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them on that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. And on that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So this tells you what's going to happen. Uh, he's going to give the Jews the ability to fight for themselves. And that's why in Zechariah 14 it states, uh, let's read that. Because Zechariah 12 fills in the gap of Zechariah 14. Many people don't understand this because they don't take these words literally. Zechariah 14, verse 1. Behold, a day, not a period of time, but a day is coming for the Lord. When the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. That's what the siege is going to bring about. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. This is the, the, the Armageddon event, which I'll read to you in Revelation. 
and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. I doubt the Palestinians forming a state is going to cause women to be raped, folks. All right, so let, let's, let's understand what this is talking about. Half the city shall go into exile. Why? Because we read in Zechariah 12 that God is going to give the ability of the Jews to fight back. All right? But the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city, and we understand why. Then the Lord will go out and see, you, you have a false minister preaching that there's a gap between two and three. Where's the gap at? You know where the gap's at? Okay, anyway, verse three. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. What's going to trigger his return? When half of the city goes into exile. All right? That's when that's what's going to cause him to return immediately. All right, and then verse four: On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and, and, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the east to the west by a very wide valley. So anyway, let's go to Revelation chapter sixteen. This all makes sense when you read this scripture. Revelation chapter sixteen. This is the sixth angel, the sixth bowl or plague, which the righteous will escape. The, these these uh, seven plagues, we won't be on the earth when this is happening. After the seventh plague, we will be brought back down to heaven with Messiah and the angels. We'll all land on the Mount of Olives and begin our rule on the earth. Revelation chapter 16, verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne. Oh, wait a minute. Not that one. That's the seventh angel, the seventh plague, the seventh bowl, the sixth bowl. I have to get to here. Verse 12 of Revelation chapter 16. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. That's located in the area of Iraq today, which the location of the Tower of Babel is located, the Tower of Confusions, okay, or Confusion. And also, uh, you know, Saddam Hussein and all that monkey business that was going on. That's that's where that's at, around the Euphrates River. There's a lot of demonic activity there, obviously. Uh, Revelation 16, verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and his water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east, east of Jerusalem. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and of the mouth of the false prophet, the false prophet, Three, unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go, and remember, demons can perform miracles, who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of, the, uh, of God the Almighty or the day of God, the, the day of the Lord. That's what this is. This is a literal day that is talking about. And then he states here, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. This is what he's talking about when he says he comes as a thief. He's talking about this event. He comes as a thief to those who have no clue about what I'm talking about, who does not want to know what I'm talking about. And if you're still alive at that time, he's going to come as a thief. You're not going to know what's going on when he shows up. That's what he's talking about. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays. That's why he put this here for those who have eyes to, to see and ears to hear. 
this is what he's talking about when he says he's coming as a thief. He's talking about the sixth plague, the gathering of all the nations to ransack or seize Jerusalem. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays away, keeping his garments on, that he may not go naked and be exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. All right? So all the nations of the world are assembled. Now, this is what happens, though, when they do that. Verse 17. <laughs> the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. What's done? All the judgments of God are done. That's what's done. The end of man trying to rule himself is over. Period. Okay? Verse 18. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. That's when you'll know. If you're still alive, you don't take what I'm telling you seriously, and God graciously, well, I don't know if it's gracious or not going through all this hell, but if he keeps you alive at this time, I hope you remember what I told you. And then you remember that when this earthquake, such as there has never been since man was on the earth, so great was that earthquake, you'll know that, hey, it's over with. All this monkey business of man trying to rule himself is over with. But anyway, a great earthquake such as it has never been since man was on the earth, so great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. All the cities of the nations fell. All cities, all will be destroyed. All will be destroyed. And God remembered Babylon the Great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fear of his wrath. And every island, so all cities will be destroyed. Every island fled away and no mountains to be found. So if you can picture this in your mind, when the seventh plague is thrown out or executed or performed, no cities will exist. No mountains will exist. Other than like the only city that exists is Jerusalem, because he's coming back to that, it appears. It says, every island fled away. No mountains were to be found. He said, the cities of the nations fell. In verse 21, and great hailstorms, hell about 100 pounds each. 100 pounds each <laughs> of hailstorms. Hailstones, rather. Each fell from heaven on people. And they cursed God. How dare they have to do that, but that's the mental mindset of a lot of people at this time. They cursed God for the plague of the hell because the plague was so severe. Then in Revelation chapter 18, it talks about the destruction in detail of Babylon, which would be the most powerful city in the world right now is New York. It may still remain to be New York. We don't New York City. We don't know uh, if the uh, actual city of Babylon will be become powerful again like it was. Uh, back in, in uh, the times of the Old Testament, is a, is a likelihood that, that may occur because uh, I don't know if many of you realize this, but we have a embassy there that's the largest that they've ever built in Iraq. So it's a possibility that could happen. I don't know. We have to, to look. But right now, there's no city on the earth that qualifies to be the city of Babylon but New York City right now. But we'll see if that remains to be that way or if it transitions over to the original city of Babylon. We we have to watch and see. But anyway, Revelation chapter 19 talks about the return of Yeshua with his saints to rule the earth. And I'm just going to uh, read this here 
in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Now, if you go to uh, verse 7 of the same chapter, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So when it goes back and says that, uh, verse 14, it says, In the armies of heaven arraigned in fine linen, white and pure, those are the saints along with him. And we're following him on white horses. We also are going to have a horse, obviously, that we're going to be on. Verse 15, From his mouth comes a sharp sword, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will thread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And hold your place there. We're also going to have that privilege. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. They're going to also rule the earth with him with a rod of iron. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. Let's see if I can find it here. Okay, yeah, here we go. Verse 26, the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end. Verse 26 of uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2, verse 26, the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end. To him will I give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. So we will be given authority to smash the nations as well. All right, so, verse uh, 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nation. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will thread the winepress of the fury, the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and in his thigh. He has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, literally standing in the sun. And with a loud voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and the riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth with their armies. So not only is this the beast, it's also the kings of, of the earth. All right? With their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image or his statue. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all birds were gorged with their flesh. And if you turn to Isaiah 34, you'll understand this better. Isaiah chapter 34. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 1. is talking about the same event again. Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear, and all that fills it, 
the world and all that comes from it. So this needs to be proclaimed to the entire world. Verse 2, for the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their hosts. He has devoted them to destruction. He has given them over for slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out, and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood. All the hosts of heaven shall rot away, and the skies roll up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall as leaves fall from the vine, like leaves falling from the fig tree. For my sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. Behold, it descends upon judgment upon Edom, which is another Jewish idiom in this context of the Gentile nations upon the people I have devoted to destruction. The Lord has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra, a great slaughter in the land of Edom. And that's talking about the Middle East. The Middle East. All right? In particular, the area where the the nations were gathered in Armageddon, and then they went over to the land, uh, the valley of Jehoshaphat, okay, and that's when this sacrifice that he talks about is going to occur. All right, in verse 7, wild oxen shall fall with them, and young steers with the mighty bulls, their land shall drink is full of blood, and their sword shall be gorged with fat. And in verse 8, for the day, for the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. Okay, so this is uh, a pretty good uh, passage of scripture to read and he says right here in verse 16 seek and read from the book of the Lord not one of these shall be missing none shall be without her mate so he's challenging you hey, if you think this is not going to happen study it and you'll see for yourself if you if you are still alive at that time okay so this, we need to keep a watch on Jerusalem um, all these events is going to lead to this event in the future that's going to cause the city uh, to be uh, under captivity. What's going to go on first, though, according to the words of Yeshua, the whole entire city of Jerusalem will be taken by the beast. And if you look at uh, Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it says, at, well, actually, no, let me go, and verse 40 here, Daniel chapter 12, uh, Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter 11, verse 40. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush against him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and with many ships, and he shall come into the countries and shall overflow and pass through. He shall come into the glorious land, that's Jerusalem, and tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand, Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites, as Jordan. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt, which you've been hearing in the news a lot lately, shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver, in other words, he's going to be filthy rich, and all the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans, we've been hearing about the Libyans in the news lately, haven't we? And the Cushites shall follow in his train. But news from the east and north, east and north of Jerusalem, shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fear to destroy and devote many to destruction. Now, here's the key verse. And he shall pitch his tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. He shall come to his end with none to help him. Now, at this time, Daniel 12, verse 1, at, the, at that time shall Michael, 
the great prince who has charge of your people uh, shall rise, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation. Now notice that this time that's going to happen, the start of the great tribulation, is going to happen in the context of a world war. Okay? But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And so when he pitches his tents in Jerusalem, he's going to have the, just like the Romans, they took over the entire city of Jerusalem. That's going to happen again. And see, when the Romans took the entire city of Jerusalem, they allowed the Jews to continue to practice their religion. And it appears that may happen again uh, at some point. Because in Revelation chapter 11, what is the state? It states that, Revelation chapter 11, this can end up being a prophecy Bible study. <laughs> anyway, for, uh, Revelation chapter 11, didn't mean it to be so, but uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God. In that, whenever you see that rise and measure the temple, that means uh, a construction of the temple, that the temple was going to be built, okay? And rise and measure the temple of God in the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, but it's given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city, not half the city, the whole city, the whole, the whole city of Jerusalem for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. And if you turn to the companion scripture of this in Luke chapter 21, starting at verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near, its destruction. All right? The city of Jerusalem. Verse 21, Then let those who are in Judea, the West Bank, flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter in. Now, if half of, if only uh, half of it is going to be taken at this time, why would he say this? He's, he's saying, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart it. He's telling everybody to leave the city. Okay? He's telling everyone who is in that city to leave it, the city of Jerusalem. And let not those who are out in the country enter it. So he's telling you to leave the city and don't enter the city. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. He's talking about these days we're living in, folks. Seriously. <laughs> for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people, the Jews. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, the entire city, folks will be trampled. So these prophecy teachers that are teaching, half of Jerusalem is going to be taken over. No, what's going to happen, folks, is the entire city of Jerusalem will be taken over and trampled. And how do I get that? From the person you claim to believe. Okay? The greatest prophet of all time. He stated in verse 24, They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot. He doesn't say that 
be trampled by half your foot or, or a half of the section. He said, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So if you doubt me, why don't you go argue with him? And, you know, since he has all power in heaven and earth, I would be very careful about what you talk to him about. But anyway, all right. Just a little disclaimer there. All right, so uh, I hope I've explained that. I think it's pretty clear now what, what's going to be happening here, folks. Sure, there's going to be dissension in this sense. Unofficially, the land has been divided anyway. Okay, you have all these Palestinians all over the place there. Okay, uh, and, and and they live with the Israelis. So in a sense, it's, it's been divided anyway. All right, so let, let's understand that. And but but you have to to understand instead of putting your own thoughts into the scriptures, you have to take the scriptures for what it's saying. All right, the events, the order of events. Obviously, it's going to be a world war. The world war obviously will trigger measuring well. The guys at the Temple Institute, if you want to type in and Google templeinstitute.org, they have already measured the temple. They already have um, architecture, uh, plots and designs of the temple. They already have that ready. They've done their measuring. All right. All that needs to be done, as it seems to always happen with the Jews and with human beings in general, something has to happen to make them do what they're supposed to do. Okay. Uh, Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. And then I'm going to turn to also Hosea. These scriptures just popping up. I think I just want me to talk about this today. You know, my wife likes that. Prophecy. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne. So in the book of Revelation, when he talks about the throne, the throne, the throne, it's talking about heaven. Heaven. Heaven is synonymous with God's throne. That's where his throne is at. If You you don't have to uh, turn your place here. I just want to read this to prove this to you. In Revelation chapter 16, it states here, verse 17, The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, And it's done. So, his throne is located in his temple, which is in heaven. All right? So anyway, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. You know what a footstool is? That's where he puts his foot. You know, put your foot on the, you know. So the earth is, is you know, <laughs> that's where he put his foot at. <laughs> so that tells you how great he is. If you get his picture here, and he's putting his big, gigantuan foot on the earth, okay? And his throne is in heaven, though, see? So this picture of him sitting on his throne and the earth is right below his foot. All right? What is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. So he's saying, what is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of rest? I don't know if that is what should be where. Let me see. Let me take a look at another translation here. These translations, I tell you, none of them are perfect. But as I was telling uh, a gentleman the other day that uh, the main message of the Bible is there, that we should love each other and care about one another and share our possessions. That's how we glorify God. And that's how we let God know that we believe Him. Okay, King James. And... That's in verse 1. Yeah. 
in the King James Version, it says, Thus says the Lord God, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? And then uh, in... Let's see. Yeah, even in the Jewish translation, uh, it states that where is the house that you may build unto me. So that that must be the correct rendering of that, that verse there. Okay. Um, then Hosea. Oh, uh, yeah, I think it's Hosea. It's not Habakkuk, it's Hosea, right? Hosea. No, I don't think it's Hosea. It's another book. Let me see. All right, take a look here. Contents. But anyway, I'm going to show you a scripture where he wants, he's, God wants his temple to be built. And he's upset. The, uh, Haggai, that's what it is, Haggai. Um, let's turn to Haggai. It's after, after Zephaniah. I don't know, for those of you who are, are into the Middle East, I am just want you to get a little more background on what's going on here because uh, things are going to be really shaken up here soon in that uh, area of the world. So I want you to know why it's going to be. And then uh, Haggai, verse 2. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, chapter 1, verse 2. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. This is a prophecy. Remember, the assembly is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Haggai is one of them. Okay? Um, Verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Verse 4, is it, a, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, it lied in ruins back then. It lies in ruins today. All right? So this is a prophecy. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. Can I can't remind you of our situation here in the United States and around the world, and particularly Israel is also going through tremendous economic problems right now. You're having people rioting, uh, giving demonstrations at the Israeli government location. So they're, they're suffering too. You know, we, we're linked with the Jews, as I've explained many times. We are Israel too. Um, for proof of that, go to www. B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M dot org. Yer Davidi, who is an Orthodox Jew, lives in the old city of Jerusalem. And I know that Yahweh has given him the knowledge to reveal to anyone who has eyes to see and ears to hear and wants to know the truth about the fact that the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nelson, uh, not Nelson, nations, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, the countries and Northwestern Europe and, and South Africa all have something to do with those ten lost tribes that people think they're not lost to me. Thank God for that, and they won't be lost to you. If you do do this research, go to his website. I suggest you get his books. If you don't want to get his books, 
Go ahead. Uh, he has enough information on that website. All you need is your Bible to prove uh, that our peoples are the direct descendants of those tribes. And of course, anybody that attached themselves to the Commonwealth of Israel are included in the Commonwealth of Israel. So anyway, in verse 5, Now therefore, uh, so it's, it is time for you to dwell in your panel houses while this house lies in ruins. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Doesn't that sound like uh, how people live in this country today? They're living in debt. That's what he's talking about. When you earn your wages, they go. They go in a, in a, bag, a bag full of holes. It's gone. Verse 7, Thus said the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Now, this is talking about after the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C. And he, after 70 years, they came back with Ezra and uh Nehemiah and so forth, and they were inspired by prophets like Haggai to rebuild the temple, and they did. The temple that uh, Yeshua eventually came to in the first century, that Herod actually renovated and even improved and expanded. King Herod. Anyway. Nine. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home... It, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins. It lies in ruins. Any Jew that who may be listening to this, any Jew of influence back in Israel, it lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. There are a lot of problems in the world today. Even Jews understand this, and they should, that because there's no temple, there's curses all around the world because that temple is not built. The temple is how God wants to dwell with us spiritually. When that temple is not there, it causes the following curses that he talks about here. Verse 10, Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. Right now in Texas, it's being devastated by the worst uh, drought it's ever had. And that's where the majority of our produce comes from, I think. When I check, if it's not the uh, if it's not the most, then it's, it's a lot. Let's put it that way: a significant amount. You can Google that in Texas um, agriculture and find out. But anyway, verse ten: Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought. I just got through talking about that, right? On the land and the hills, on the grain and the new wine, the oil. Uh, on what the ground brings forth, no man on man and beast and all their labor. A drought on their labors. Isn't that something? And we're going through tremendous economic problems, right? Economic problems here in this country and around the world. And around the world. So, and then this leads up to and uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And the seventh month on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Uh, the seventh month, of course, is when you have Sukkot, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, and then you have the Festival of Tabernacles. Uh, yeah, I already mentioned that. Then the Feast of uh, Trumpets or Yom Teror, 
or Rosh Hashanah, and then you have the uh, Day of Atonement and Yom Kippur. So it's talking about at this particular point in time, this prophecy came to uh, Haggai. It says, speak to, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jezodak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? It is not as nothing in your eyes. Is it as, not, as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jezodak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts. Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So that's another, that's a, the Lord of hosts. That's another prophecy. So we have to understand here what he's talking about. He's prophesying about the future temple that will be built, and he's also talking about the temple that will be built when the Messiah comes back, when he restores the temple. That is uh, obviously will be uh, defiled because of the beast. And then uh, in verse 20 of Haggai chapter 2, on the 24th day of the month, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth, and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations, and overthrow the chariots and the riders, and the horses and the riders shall go down, every one by sword of his brother. It's talking about that Armageddon event again, okay, that I read to you in Revelation chapter 16. That should be clear to you what he's talking about. On that day, the day of the Lord, I will take you as a rebel, my servant, the son of Sheol, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. All right, so th this is some good information here. So it's talking about alluding to the Messiah. It appears in that scripture that he's going to rule the entire earth and take it over. And the temple is the catalyst to all this. The temple has to be built. That's what he meant when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stand where it ought not. Okay, that temple has to be built first before anything else occurs here. So that's very important to understand that. All right, so let's get to our Bible study today. I'm going to sum it up here. Hopefully I'll get to the 20 signs that the world could be headed for an economic apocalypse in 2012. Some other time. Um, also, I'm looking at a specific timetable too that I may talk about if I'm sure about it. But um, it's a possibility that we may be a lot sooner uh, toward the return of Messiah. You know, I mentioned in this program before that it's a possibility he can come back between 2015 and 2025 just as an estimation uh, because uh, remember 
uh, he stated that this generation shall not come to pass and all these things will be fulfilled in Matthew chapter 24. The context of that is the second coming. Uh, and he mentioned that he would come at a time that if he didn't come, no flesh should be saved alive. Well, we didn't even reach the genesis or the beginning or foundation of that time until 1945, August 6th, with the destruction of Nagasaki and Hiroshima with the atomic bomb. And then I, I did read, too, you can Google this, uh, Harriet Truman's uh, uh, nuclear war statement or whatever. Uh, he stated that we, we've tapped into the power of the universe, into a new age of man. And that happened in 1945, August 6, 1945. Now, in Psalms 90, it says that a man's years is 70, 80 if he's strong. So that's a generation in terms of man's years. So if we add 70 years to 1945, what do you get? You get 2015. If the generation is strong, 80 years. That's 2025. So... I'm just basing that based on what Yeshua stated. Now, if he doesn't come back by 2025, obviously I don't understand what's going on. But the way things are going right now, folks, I don't think it's going to take my explanation to understand that things are really perilous right now. Things are perilous. Uh, I've heard statements many times, this has not ever happened before, that there's so much wickedness in the world. Another gauge that you need to follow is our behavior. And our behavior has gotten to the point where I know it's a foul stink to God's nostrils. Uh, with Mayor Bloomberg uh, orchestrating a marriage between two males on CNN. Uh, me and my wife the other day saw on CNN uh, cops uh, doing sexual dances with um, black women. And black women, it seemed like they were enjoying it, rubbing their behinds up against them. I mean, this was shown on CNN, folks. And they didn't seem to, to, to care about the uh, appearance of it, uh, the fact that they seemed to enjoy it. And these are white cops. Now, I, I guarantee you, if it was black cops, <laughs> they would have made a big deal about it, bigger than what they did. Okay, and probably would have arrested them. But I did hear that they're going to be corrected. They should be on that. That's ridiculous. That's not an example of what a cop's supposed to do. They're supposed to serve and protect, not play and have fun. Okay, and that's what they were doing. So I'm just giving these examples to show you now. In Luke chapter 17, what did Yeshua state? Let's let's turn there again. I mean, because I have to keep on hammering this because... Things are going to get rough, folks. I mean, we, we've got to be prepared for these things. You can't hide your head in the sand and think everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay. It's not. It's not. Everything is not okay. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. This is what everyone wants to know. If you just pay attention in Yeshua's words, we'll find out. Luke 17, verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Okay, folks, for those people who are looking at the sky, looking at the moon, looking at the comets, what did he just say? Okay? The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. So are you going to believe Yeshua's words, or are you going to just believe your own thing and believe other people that don't believe these words? Again, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here he is, 
or there, but behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Okay? Verse 22, And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in this day. I had someone the other day state that, well, Jesus said he's, he's gonna, everyone's going to see him, and yet Paul saw him and other people saw him. And that, he's plainly talking about when he comes back. This is his second coming. He's not talking about when he promised in, in the Gospel of John that he would um, come back to see them a little while. And even when you know when Paul stated that he saw him at Damascus, he didn't see him completely in bodily form. Okay, he saw him. He heard his voice. He heard his voice. But Yeshua did not come to Paul in the description that it states here. All right. So it wasn't his second coming. It says when the kingdom of God would come. It's talking about the literal kingdom where he's going to be ruling over the earth. So anyway, verse 24, As the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Okay? So he must suffer many things. Before this event occurs, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation or the generation he was living in. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. In other words, his second coming. Verse 27, They were eating and drinking and marrying and and all indications based on Jewish uh, backgrounds and studies, they were having gay marriages. All right? And being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, or in similar fashion, to let you know and confirm that obviously they were doing gay marriages and having gay problems in the uh, days of Noah. Likewise, just as, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, Fire and sulfur rain from heaven and destroy them all. What are the sins of Sodom? The sins of Sodom is not taking care of the poor, uh, being lazy, uh, not taking care of yourself, eating too much, having pride, and, of course, sexual perversion. Those are all the sins of Sodom, and the United States leaves the world in, in Sodomite, in Sodomite activity. So... That's what we have to understand there. And this is a prophecy. And the, world, the whole entire earth led by the United States is in this state right now, the majority. All right? And one of those areas is a problem. And then verse 30, So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come back down and take them away. And likewise, let the one who was in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Don't go back to the past. Don't think about the past. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. So if all your religion is about protecting myself and digging my little hole and, and getting all my goods together and so I can survive the tribulation, is that all your religion is about? He's saying you're going to lose your life. But whoever loses his life will keep it. If you do the best you can and, hey, if it gets to the point where you have to sacrifice your life, he says you're going to keep it. Verse 34, I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. 
One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other. It doesn't mean a rapture. It means that one is going to be destroyed or killed and the other will be left. Verse 37, and they said to him, where, Lord? Where the corpse is, there will the vultures be gathered, will be will gather. And it's talking about what is going to occur in Revelation chapter 19, where the vultures are going to be eating up the flesh. That's what that's talking about. All right? So we understand, at least I hope you understand, uh, what's going to happen here in the future. And the gauge really to be looking for is our social behavior, which is getting to the point now. You, you told me, Cherie, that uh, that's my wife's name, that uh, North Carolina is going to start allowing gay marriages, right? See, uh, what you folks have to understand is this. As in, in the, the world's leading country, and, and God holds us responsible for a lot of things, we're, we're the world's leading country, and too much is given, much is expected, and he expects us to act accordingly. We say we are a Christian nation. Let's act like it. Uh, and we're not acting like it when we uh, endorse homosexuality. It's condemned by God from the Bible. It doesn't condemn the people. He condemns their behavior their social behavior. That was the last straw. If you look at Genesis chapter 19, that was the last straw that made God decide, hey, I need to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, he he pictures the earth. Let's turn to Jude. This is serious, folks. Let's wake up now. I mean, we we got to wake up. we got to stop all this, uh, this game stuff. You know, we live in a wicked world. Stop thinking that everything is at peace and people are getting along with each other and everybody has what they need. That's not the kind of world we live in today. This world, as Proverbs 30, verse 14 reveals, is being devoured by the elite, uh, and they're devouring the poor off the face of the earth. That's what they're doing. Now, this is the half-brother of Yeshua, or Jesus, Jew. So pay attention to what he's saying here. So in Jude, verse 5, Now I want to remind you, though you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Now, isn't that interesting? It says Jesus. So we know that the God of the Old Testament was Jesus. All right? That's another Bible study itself. Anyway, afterward, destroyed those who did not believe. He destroyed those who did not believe. Okay? So getting back here, it says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. What was their proper dwelling? Their proper dwelling was in heaven. And there is uh, the book of Enoch, which is in Scripture, but it does have some vital information for you to understand what happened in Genesis chapter 6. And I suggest anyone, if you have the time, to read that. Anyway, the angels who did not stay within their own positions of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal change under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So that was an example of what's going to happen in the future. 
So we have to understand that. And then as he talks about this, he, he quotes from the book of Enoch, verse 14. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are the grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. To gain advantage. And so that, that's what you have to understand there in that context. Let's turn to Second Peter. Because it mentions something about Sodom here. Second Peter, or let me see. Turn back to Jude here. Get the reference scripture to this. Um, buh, 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 buh. Yeah, Second Peter two. I'm sorry, verse ten. You know, it, it's, it's it's amazing, folks. You know, God has provided all kinds of biblical helps, all kinds of things for you to want to learn. It's true, folks. It's out there. And I can help you. I really can help you uh, for no charge. Hey, you know, if, if you really, really desire to want to know the Bible, uh, email me, canard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. I'll be glad to, to help you. I'm not like these other ministers of the world. I don't expect people, I don't expect to live off the support of people, okay? <laughs> uh, when you really understand the Bible, uh, Paul was an example of this. He worked. He, he had a job. I have a job. I work. And, and Yeshua was a carpenter. He, he, it doesn't, there's no indication in the Bible that he stopped being a carpenter. All right? And even Jewish tradition that lines up with the Bible, a, a preacher or minister should, should have a worldly occupation, uh, should have a worldly occupation while he preaches. All right? So that's biblical. And this idea of somebody just depending on the people to give him money and the individual doesn't have a regular job or run a business, that's not biblical, and that's a sin. Anyway, Second Peter chapter uh, 2, and he states um, but in verse 1, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. I guess it leads into what I was saying earlier. Even denying the master who brought them. Denying the master who brought them, that's Yeshua, of course. And you can deny him by not believing his words. Bring it upon themselves swift destruction. That's what's going to happen to you if you don't believe what he says. Verse 2, and, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. And that's what they do today. They exploit you for money. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Verse 4. Now, this leads into what uh, Sodom and Gomorrah here. For if God did not spare angels when they sin, so all those who don't think that angels can sin, they can, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept into the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by 
turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. So this is an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly, what happened to uh, the folks in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then right here, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, so for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, he was torment, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. And I can relate to this. I feel the same way when I see wickedness on CNN, when I hear of the wickedness and even the wickedness around where I live at. And when I see all that, I feel the same way Lot does. I, I'm tormented. <laughs> Verse 9, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Now, this is interesting. Verse 10, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion, which homosexuality has something to do with, and despise authority. Okay? Those are two that he really, really judges. People who despise authority and does all kind of uh, um, irrational uh, sexual perversion. It says, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce the blasphemy of judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, in other words, they don't know what they're talking about, will also be destroyed in their destruction suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. I want, 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 want. I want more, 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 more. That's greed. You're never, you're never satisfied. A curse, children, forsaking the right way. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, where Balaam preached for prophets the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So anyway, we've got to get it together, folks. Okay, this is the end times. Let's, let's get it together. So let me go over uh, briefly what the Torah readings were about today. So let's see here. So Deuteronomy 26 to 29, verse 8. 26, verse 1, 29, verse 8. Uh, courtesy of Habat.org. Moses instructs the people of Israel, when you enter the land that God is giving to you as your eternal heritage and you settle it and cultivate it, bring the first ripened fruits, the bickering of your orchard to the holy temple and declare your gratitude for all that God has done for you. We should always do that, praise him and thank him for what he's given us. Our Parsha, which means a portion of scripture, also includes the laws of the tithes given to the Levites and to the poor and the detailed instructions on how to proclaim the blessings and cursings on Mount Gezerim and Mount Ebal as discussed in the beginning of the Parsha of Re. I think we may go over those uh, Moses reminds the people that they are God's chosen people and that, in turn, have chosen God. Now, what it means that they're the chosen people doesn't mean they're, they're different or special than anyone else. It means that God raised the nation of Israel, including the Jews, to be an example to those around the world, to get them to come to God. As Zechariah, Let's turn to Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8. 
this should explain what that means and what it will mean in the future. And even now, this prophecy is being fulfilled. People are being drawn to the Jews. I certainly was drawn to the Jews, and I found out that I do have some Jewish ancestry in me. Uh, on my father's side, I have a small DNA strand of Jew, uh, Jewish. Uh, I think many people probably may have that too, but I have a, strong, a small strand of Jewish uh, DNA. And then on my mother's side, uh, my great-great-grandmother's name is Sarah Cohen. So in all likelihood, I spoke to my cousin about it, and he, and he believes, like I do, that uh, more than likely we do have uh, Jewish uh, ancestry, definitely, uh, more so probably than my father's side on my mother's side. But anyway, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 20. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, even inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, the Talit, the Zitzit, which I'll get into another Bible study about that in the future, saying, Let us go with you. For we have heard that God is with you. Okay? So God is with the Jews. God is, should be with us, and he is with us. Although we don't know as much as the Jews about the Torah and the Bible, uh, what we do know that the Jews don't know too much of is Yeshua. We understand the apostolic scriptures, the renewed covenant scriptures, but we don't really understand the Tanakh, the what is called the Old Testament. I hate that terminology, Old Testament, but it's the Tanakh. But anyway, our Pasha also includes the laws of tithes given to the Levites and the Zippor and detailed instructions on how to proclaim the blessings and cursings on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal as discussed in the beginning of the Pasha of Re'e. Moses reminds the people that they are God's chosen people and they in turn have chosen God. The latter part, Ekitavo, that's the name of the Torah portion today consists of rebuke. After listing the blessings which God will reward the people when they follow the laws of Torah, Moses gives a long, harsh account of the bad things, illness, famine, poverty, and exile that shall befall them if they abandon God's commandments. Notice, we're going to be cursed, and we are cursed, and have been cursed for many years, with illness, famine, the ability not to be able to take care of yourself, which leads to poverty and exile. Moses concludes by telling the people that only today, 40 years after their birth as a people, have they attained a heart to know, eyes to see, and ears to hear. Which, you look in the book of Revelation, uh, Yeshua hopes that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Everything is linked. You can't understand the Tanakh, Old Testament, without the New Testament, or the Apostolic Scriptures, and you can't understand the apostolic scriptures without understanding the Old Testament or the Tanakh. They both go hand in hand. All right? So you have to understand that. But in the remaining time, let's go over these curses because people don't understand these curses. And uh, we need to understand these curses. And people say, well, the law's been done away with. Uh, you know, they think that keeping the law is just curses. Uh, well, you know, he talks about blessings too, folks. Okay, when you obey the law of God, you get blessed. 
Like, I don't know why anyone doesn't seem to stress that. I mean, <laughs> you get blessed, and then you get cursed if you don't obey it. Just like if you go around and be a fool or act like a fool and drive and go 200 miles an hour when you're supposed to be going 70 miles an hour on an expressway, what's going to happen? You're going to get a ticket, right? Or you may end up doing what this 16-year-old girl did, a beautiful girl, 16-year-old, had, had everything going for her, but she had a little mental illness. I don't know why her parents allowed her to drive her Porsche the way she did, but she did, and then she was driving real quick, and what happened is she... Uh, Wrecked a car, and I saw a picture of her, and you're not, you don't, you're not gonna like what I saw. Uh, her whole head was smashed, and it was just ridiculous. But uh, you can end up cursing yourself when you violate a law. I'm just giving that as an example, and that's just man's law. Anyway, which is is a righteous law. I mean, it, it, without traffic laws. It, There'd be so many bodies lined up on the expressway. It would be ridiculous the way people uh, would, would drive, you know. Deuteronomy. Chapter 27. And starting in uh, verse 14. Deuteronomy 27, verse 14. Actually, let me start in verse 1 because many people don't know this. Uh, now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today. So he says the whole commandment, not ones that you feel comfortable with. And on that day you cross over the Jordan to the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster. And you shall write on them all the words of this law. Most people don't understand this. Moses told Joshua to write all the words, <laughs> everything that God told Moses as far as laws are concerned and the judgments and statutes. He told him to write it on stones. Now, that's symbolic of the permanency of something, to write it on stone. When you write something on stone, is how you going to be able to wipe it off. Okay, think about that now. People focus so much on the Ten Commandments on stones, but God told Moses to write all the rest of them, including the Ten Commandments, on stones. That's significant for you to understand. And on that day you cross over the Jordan to the land that the Lord your God has given. You shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster. And you shall write on them all the words of this law when you cross over to enter the land that the Lord your God has given you. All the words of this law. A lamb flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones concerning which I command you today on Mount Ebal, and you shall plaster them with plaster, and there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall wield no iron tool on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones, according to the uh, instructions in Exodus chapter 20 on how to do that. And you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God, and you shall sacrifice peace offerings and shall eat there, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, and you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly, very plainly. So for those who think we should only keep 
the Ten Commandments. You're wrong. Verse 9. Then Moses in the Levitical 3 said to all Israel, Keep silence and hear, O Israel. Hear. The original Hebrew for that. Understand, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. That day Moses charged the people, saying, When you have crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gizram to bless the people, Simeon. Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, and these shall stand on Mount Ebal for the curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, and the Levites shall declare all the men of Israel in a loud voice. And those were all the tribes of Israel. Verse 15, Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall say, Amen. Verse 16, Cursed be anyone who dishonored his father and mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, which is a very cruel thing to do, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. In other words, cursed anyone who doesn't help the poor. Verse 20. Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife, because he has uncovered his father's nakedness. When you lie with somebody else's wife, that's what you're doing. All right? And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal. Bestiality. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood. And all the people who say, Amen. And this is to all the doctors who commit abortions. You're taking a bribe to shed innocent blood. You are getting paid to kill babies, whether you realize it or not. Uh, Verse 26. Cursed be anyone who does not conform to the words of this law by doing them. Now, that's a significant curse. It says that cursed be anyone. And that means anyone who does not conform the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. And then this leads to all the detailed blessings and the detailed cursings in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'm just going to highlight the blessings here. Verse 28, verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, your children, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command a blessing on you and your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. As he has shown to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. 
And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, your children, and in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And unfortunately, we're doing the opposite. We are the world's largest debtor nation, and instead, nations are lending to us. Verse 13, And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand and to the left, to go after gods, to serve them. Verse 15, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments, and the statute that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb. It means your children. And the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of the flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. And then it says, The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration, and all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. And so I want to get to, those are all the curses you can read that, but I want to get to another scripture that I don't think people really understand. Let's turn to John chapter 3 in the in the uh, Renewed Covenant scriptures. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might not be saved through him. Sorry about that. Verse 16 of John, chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. So if your works are evil, what you do is evil, you're not going to like the light, which symbolizes Yeshua, the Messiah. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, that not his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Yes, it has something to do with works, folks. Uh, this grace without works abominable doctrine is, is so totally wrong. And I know many people, they read John 3, verse 16, but they don't read the rest of it. And belief has something to do with works. All right, so uh, we've gone over uh, the importance of obeying God. We've gone over the fact that we should be appreciative of the things that God has given us. Uh, we should build treasure in heaven by giving to people. Uh, Yeshua stated in Luke, 
chapter 4, uh, Luke chapter, uh see if I can remember it here, Luke chapter 6, he states here, if I can find it here, Luke chapter 6, yeah, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given unto you, good measure, press down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for without for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So it's a commandment that we, we give. And then uh, there's another scripture that I need to quote here. Uh, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. It says, There was some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans who, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And he answered him, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So I leave you with that. We must repent of our sins, and we must change our attitude and believe in the eternal, all-loving God who wants to share the universe with us. But in order for that to happen, we must repent and we must learn how to obey all the laws of God as I read to you in Deuteronomy chapter 27, whom God inspired Moses or Moses to tell Joshua to, to write on stone all of them, not just the Ten Commandments. Now, we understand that certain laws we can't keep. We can't keep, we can't sacrifice a lamb and uh, because there's no temple. And that's where he placed his name at. I know people, you have people doing that today, uh, but according to the Torah, uh, we're not supposed to do that. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 16 for those who want to read that. Uh we are not commanded to do that. And then that part in Exodus where it talks about the temple, that was instructed to the entire um, assembly of Israel to, in preparation of building an altar. That was done, of course, by the Levites. So I leave you with that, and may God bless and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available for you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, 
and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 